Hey, what's going on, veterinary anesthesia nerds? Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds Podcast, where we talk about nothing but anesthesia and pain management in our veterinary patients. Today, I am joined by one of the greats in veterinary anesthesia. I am talking about Kristen Cooley. If you have the pleasure of having Kristen, uh, if you've either seen Kristen speak at many of the conferences or had the pleasure of having Kristen come into your clinic to do some in-person training, you know um, what a wealth of knowledge she is. She is a published editor. She's an author. She's also a really fantastic medical illustrator of uh, anything anesthesia related. She is internationally recognized. She is very sought after as far as education goes. She has worn many different hats in veterinary medicine and she is extremely knowledgeable. She currently is in Wisconsin, correct? Yes. Wisconsin. All right. She has twins, uh, like human children. Uh, she also has uh, a bunch of pets running around her house, but the main reason that we are having her come in today to talk to us is about chickens. So welcome, Kristen. Thank you. Thank you. So Kristen, I think that the reason that I got the idea for this episode is because, as everyone knows, if you've been paying attention to any kind of news, the price of eggs is crazy. <laughs> and apparently, uh, the solution that a lot of places are telling us is that we should just have our own backyard uh, chicken farms, and then we could just have all the eggs we want. So then I started thinking, oh, could I have a chicken farm? Maybe I should have a chicken. Maybe I should get chickens. And then I was like, shit, I know nothing about chickens. I mean, I I know what I needed to know to pass my exam. And then it went right out, uh, right out of here. So let's talk about chickens for a second, and then we'll specifically talk about their anesthesia care, their pain management care, because um, you were recently telling me about this tale about this chicken named Red that had an issue and how you dealt with it anesthesia and pain management-wise. So let's talk about Red, if you're cool with that. Yeah. Um, uh, first, I want to mention that uh, you know when it comes to raising chickens, they actually go on strike when the weather gets cold. So I actually haven't had an egg that was viable. I did have one that froze and cracked and then you can't eat it. Well, you can, but um, <laughs> since the fall. So um, yeah, the ladies are on strike and they usually do that when the weather gets cold and the days get shorter. And I don't know. So they're not, but are not all they're cracked up to be as far as keeping the price of eggs lower. <laughs> um but they do make great pets. And so this chicken, Red, who is a, about a one-year-old Rhode Island Red, um, that was um, the pet chicken of a couple pigs on my friend's farm. And so the chicken lived with the pigs. They hung out together. And, and unfortunately, one night, the chicken um, didn't make it back into the barn with the pigs and the door was closed. And so the chicken spent the night outside and ended up getting attacked by a predator um, that the farm owner thought was a fox. So some fox little footprints and some fox poop was found and, you know, and there's red uh, all lacerated up. And so red presented to me and uh, to the clinic and she had a couple deep lacerations over her back. And, and the interesting thing about chickens is they don't really have a lot of, um, you know, they can't really fight. And so when a chicken gets injured, their skin tears very easily because they'll, that's how they get away. You know, like the feathers come off, the skin comes off and they don't bleed very much. 
And I think that, you know, they have a decreased blood volume. There's maybe not a lot of um, vasculature in the skin. And uh, I think that, you know, when they're stressed out, they have they experience some significant vasoconstriction. Right. So when their skin is torn, there's not like these big dilated vessels that are going to bleed all over the place. So see a lot of pretty deep lacerations. I've seen like skin just filleted open and just like the muscle hanging out underneath. And so those would need to be repaired. But um, redhead, three large lacerations over her the left side of her back kind of over her pelvis a little bit. Um, and so, you know, she also had an injury to her eye and, you know, in chickens, it's really difficult to tell when a prey species is in pain, right? Um, so we look at things like, are their eyes open and bright? Where is their head position? What, you know, like even hens, you know, people think only roosters have like combs and waddles and stuff, but actually hens of certain breeds will have that as well. And so you look at how, um, what's the coloring of the comb? Is it like congested and dark purple? Is it pale? Um, and anywhere in between that. And that gives you an idea of, of how healthy this chicken is or how comfortable this chicken is. And, you know, feathers and stuff that might be all puffed up. And so red, um, was clearly in pain. Um, eyes were partially closed and just a little bit vacant. The head was a little bit droopy. The comb was also droopy. Um, she, her feathers were kind of all puffed up. I'm sure there's a medical term for that. And so, you know, it was, it was clear that there was something going on. And the thing about chickens too, is that there's feathers, like layers upon layers of feathers. And so it sometimes takes some investigating to see what the problem is. You're like, oh, some feathers are missing, but you can't tell the, the significance of the injury because, you have to like look underneath feathers. And so after further investigating, um, we found these three large lacerations over her back. And so right away, you know, you got to get a body weight. Obviously, chickens are about two kilos. Um, this is how big red was. So they look pretty big, but actually, it's just a lot of fluff. Um, <laughs> kind of like a lot of people, just a lot of fluff. But uh, so, you know, uh, Based on chickens' metabolism, you end up using higher drug dosages. And so the drugs that I, you know, that normally are used in chickens for like pre-meds would be actually butorphanol um, works really well in chickens because of uh, it being a kappa agonist. And um, birds tend to have a lot more kappa receptors, kappa opioid receptors versus mu receptors that are more prominent in mammals. So um, you know, pain is mediated by the kappa receptor. So kappa agonists like butorphanol works, but the dosing is like one to two milligrams per kilogram. Ooh, wow. As to like our 0.2 to 0.4 that we would use in dogs and cats. And then midazolam, um, in a lot of exotic species, benzodiazepines will cause significant sedation. So, you know, we'll use it in, in rabbits and ferrets and, and those kinds of species, but in birds too, it causes significant um, sedation. And so a combination of um, butorphanol and midazolam actually immobilizes birds really, really well, and chickens in particular. And I work with a lot of pigeons too. And because sometimes this type of thing might be required outside of the clinic, instead of having a controlled substance, there's also nalbufene, which is a agonist antagonist similar to butorphanol, but it's not controlled. So sometimes um, 
I'll have that for like my own flock if there's there's an issue. And then um, dexmedetomidine you can also use, which is also not controlled. And so sometimes we got to skirt around and use things that are more applicable in like a farm setting or a home setting. And so dexmedetomidine, again, higher dose is about 0.3 mg per kilo, um, mm-hmm. which is higher than what we would use in a dog or a cat. And then you can add in some ketamine if you want full immobilization, but doing that kind of stuff outside of a clinic, outside of having supplemental oxygen makes me a little uncomfortable because any, any period of apnea in a bird can be uh, problematic. They can become hypoxemic really fast because they have such an efficient respiratory system. And so um, birds have uh, nine sets of air sacs. So they have like, um, they have cranial thoracic, caudal thoracic, abdominal, and then they have like uh, one intraclavicular. Um, and then they have some pneumatic bones too. So there's different airflow and their lungs are pretty static. They, they're not as flexible as, as mammal lungs are. And so they rely on abdominal and chest movement to kind of pull in air. And they have this really efficient respiratory system, like I said. And so, you know, like it's important to capture an airway and support that because any apnea can quickly lead to hypoxemia. And so when it comes to intubating a bird, they have just like this open glottis and you can just throw a tube in there. Right. But it's you know, it's not as, um, you know, like birds and reptiles are similar in, in a sense. But in a reptile, you like open the mouth and you're like, oh, what's that gaping hole? I'm just going to throw a tube in there. Yep. But in a bird, especially in a chicken, it's a little bit more caudal. So uh, it can be more of a challenge to get the tube in there. And the other thing is that birds have complete tracheal rings in their trachea. So a lot of times people won't will use uncuffed endotracheal tubes because they don't want to cause any tracheal necrosis. Um, but you could use a cuff tube, just don't inflate the cuff or inflate it very, very little. And I usually don't inflate the cuff at all because it's not like that bird is going to vomit and then aspirate. So I'm, and you know, like I'm not really using gas anesthesia necessarily, although you can. So, you know, you have this bird intubated and then you're supplementing oxygen. You have that airway in case they become apneic, you can assist respirations, but a lot of things can be done on just heavy sedation and local anesthesia. So, you know, we talked about the midazolam and the butorphanol to kind of quiet them. I always cover their their head and their eyes. So, um, you know, it's kind of like the uh, the toddler that, you know, hides behind a post in the house and thinks that if I can't see you, you can't see me. And that's a good way to kind of calm a chicken down. Um, sometimes I will also turn them onto their back, which you know, in they, they calm down, but I think it's because they can't breathe <laughs> because, um, you know, like their respiratory system or their abdominal contents are just putting a little bit more pressure. It's kind of like, you know, again, being pregnant at a certain point in your pregnancy, your doctor's like, yeah, don't lay on your back. And so of course with me, it was like a challenge. And I was like, oh yeah. So pregnant with twins <laughs> yeah, on my back. And I was like struggling to, I was like a turtle like trying to get off my back because I couldn't breathe. But anyway, um, so sometimes I'll, I know I totally ADD, um, uh, you know, I cover their head. Sometimes I will put them on their back and just kind of keep things quiet and calm. And so birds, sometimes they will shut down when they're stressed out and sometimes they will freak out. Um, and so I try to keep them from freaking out by 
keeping things calm. And you can actually give chickens um, gabapentin and, you know, the dosing is somewhere around like 10 megs per kilo and you can put it in liquid and then gavage it or, you know, like get them to swallow it. And I don't know how, you know, how quickly the onset time is, but, um, you know, that's a possibility. But really, we just use midazolam and butorphanol in clinic. And then once they're sedate, you can supplement oxygen, you could potentially intubate them and gas them the rest of the way down. Um, but I wouldn't do that without doing an IM injection first, um, just because... So- Kristen, when you say do an IM injection, just for people, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. where are you placing this IM injection? So the pectoral muscles. Um, right. And in flightless birds, the pecs aren't as well developed. So you might use like a, a leg or something. Um, but, you know, it's pretty easy to to get to this large muscle mass. And so, you know, uh, that's where I would do an IM injection in a bird. And then once I mean, your bird is sedate, do you ever place IV catheters in your bird? I mean, I don't, but you can. You can use the, you know, I call it the wing vein. I know mm-hmm. it has a specific anatomical term, but you can place a catheter there. It can be a little challenging because it, you know, it goes like over the the bones in the wing. So whether that's the humerus or the radius ulna or even you know, a little bit more distally, but the vessels can be difficult to catheterize because you're going over some significant topography, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is a, a possibility. And actually, a uh, funny story, my first flock of chickens were, I got four chickens and I named them after the Golden Girls. And, you know, it's like Blanche and, and Dorothy and Rose and the other one. <laughs> the other one Sophia Sophia that's right oh I forgot um <laughs> it's been a while but anyway uh one of them the most beautiful one Dorothy had a salomic hernia and we were like okay so just you know a hernia and we were like this bird is gonna die a horrible death when she starts to lay eggs so we actually did surgery hernia surgery on this bird and, you know, we intubated and anesthetized all, the whole nine yards, like fix this hernia. And then um, like literally two weeks later, Dorothy starts crowing because Dorothy's a rooster. And I didn't know. <laughs> and you don't know these things until they start crowing or, you know, whatever. And um, I thought that was pretty fitting because of all four golden girls. I feel like Dorothy is, you know, the m- most masculine of the group. and. So anyway, I totally forgot why I even brought up Dorothy, but it was um, an interesting series of events and it was a good anesthetic experience. You know, like we we did place a catheter in Dorothy. That's why I was bringing this up. We did place a catheter. We did intubate. You know, we used proper pain management, local anesthesia. Um, I actually had an anesthesiologist there um, because they didn't, you know, I didn't want anything to happen to my bird. Um, so I don't know. It was, uh, it was a an interesting case. But back to red, um, you know, birds have a pretty small blood volume and so they can only lose so much. And, you know, I end up giving sub-Q fluids and it's like five mils per per 100 grams. So it's not a lot of fluid. And the sub-Q space that's most, like it's easiest is kind of in the, almost in like the inguinal area. There's some loose skin that is usually where I give sub-Q fluids. But when you do sub-Q injections in birds, you can really go anywhere sub-Q, just like in mammals. You know, it doesn't matter as long as it's sub-Q. Um, 
So, you know, we have this torpedas, we have supplemental oxygen, we give meloxicam actually is the uh, non-steroidal. You could also use carprofen and ketoprofen, um, but meloxicam, the dosing is like one to two migs per kilo. So when you're giving oral meloxicam, that's a significant volume. And you have to be careful because their epiglottis isn't as functional as our epiglottis or mammals epiglottis. And so you got to be careful that they don't aspirate the meloxicam because if they aspirate, then literally they squawk and die. Like that's happened, not with meloxicam, but with um, other something where you're not actually gavaging it appropriately. You're just kind of shoving it in there because they're flailing. And so, you know, you got to be careful. And uh, I'd like to use the injectable meloxicam because I don't have to worry about that. But yeah, then, you know, like for the laceration repair, we did a whole lot of flushing with warm saline, and then we washed the wounds with some dilute chlorhexidine solution, a little bit of scrub, and then you kind of explore and see how deep is it, what other structures are involved, is there any penetration into a body cavity, like the thorax or the coelom, and, you know, clean up those edges and then just do some a repair. But, you know, this bird and sometimes, you know, when you think about production animals, the mentality is a little bit different. Like it really shouldn't be, but it, you know, it's almost like a business decision rather than an emotional one. And chickens fall somewhere between production animals and pets. And so it's really difficult to navigate sometimes because you don't know how the owner truly feels about this this bird, right? I, I mean, are you, obviously you're bringing this animal in because you care about it, but are you going to go to the ends of the earth to repair this wound or to treat this, you know, this other disease? And so it it can be it can be challenging and sometimes corners are cut to save money but to save the animal and so part of this bird's pelvis like the it was almost like part of the bone was lifted up and so it, you know I scrubbed it flushed it made sure everything was clean and then took a little bit of tissue glue and just kind of glued that bone back down and it it was a static bone it wasn't like a a fracture where it was rubbing. It was literally like the top of the ilium or something. Just a portion of it was lifted. And and so we um, we glued that back down and then flushed that area really well and then sewed up those wounds um, and then put the animal or put the bird on antibiotics, which, you know, all of the stuff is off label. There's not a lot of studies, you know, you're not like, oh, this is what you use for chickens. It's kind of like, okay, this is an antibiotic that I know we can use. And it it works well for these types of issues. And so Exceed um, is a, you know, it's a, a large animal antibiotic that I can't remember the actual drug name of it. It's like, I don't know. But anyway, it's long acting in birds. And it's like an IM injection of 10 to 20 milligrams per kilogram every three to five days, IM. And so it's a nice one to use because you don't have to catch the bird, stress them out, inject them every day or twice a day or whatever the case may be. It's like every three to five. And um, and so that's what we did uh, for this bird. And then the to go home medication for her was um, meloxicam every 24 hours. And so the first dose is a little bit higher, kind of how we do it in 
small animal. Um, you know, the first one was two mg per kilo and then follow-up doses were one mg per kilo. And, you know, because the, the, um, the injury was pretty significant because it had this bony involvement, you know, we did, um, lax him for about a week and, you know, like towards the tail end of the week, you know, you assume that there's a lot of, um, drug in the system still, like it's not totally going away. Um, and so it was your first dose was two mix per kilo. And then we followed up with a few days of one mix per kilo. And then we dropped it down to a half mix per kilo and, you know, kept up with the antibiotics and stuff. And, you know, you're just monitoring mobility and how the feathers are head position, eye position, you know, similar to like a grimace scale and, um, eating, drinking, that kind of thing. And just kind of getting their their need to flee from you, even though it's a friendly chicken, you don't want it to just sit there when you go into, I had her in a box um, by the door so she could see out to get some sunlight and stuff like that. But, you know, like you, I, I wanted her to try to get away from me or, you know, like at least respond when I was around. And, and that gives me an idea that things are moving in the, in the right direction. So, you know, instead of this bird being hospitalized, right. I brought it to my, I have my, my own little chicken hospital. So <laughs> do the repair in the clinic and then come hang out at Casa, Casa Cooley, um, for a week, just kind of recovering and then monitoring and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, successful and, and Red went back to the farm to hang out with her pigs and, um, she actually laid an egg, but it, the, because she was under stress, it didn't have, um, it was a soft egg. It didn't have a shell on it. Just mm. kind of whipped through the, the egg laying apparatus and didn't really get the hard shell. But yeah, that's, uh, that's read the, the wonder chicken story. That's cool. Now, Kristen, I know that you are also a veterinary cannabis counselor. Is there any information or any evidence for using CBD, um, in a case like this? Um, there's I'm nothing that I've actually looked at, but, you know, I, I have a lot of, um, of cannabis in my house. I have a lot of ca- cannabis products in my house. You know, I'm, I use a lot of the Olivet stuff um, for myself. And then I so I'll have the oil or the feline paste around and I've given it to chickens before. But, you know, it, it's really hard to you know, like chickens are these experts at hiding their discomfort. And so it's really not obvious, not always obvious to tell whether or not there's an improvement Mm. because you're kind of looking for the absence of a, of a behavior. And, and I've used cannabis in chickens before, but again, I have no idea what sort of dosing, you know, like I'm assuming it would be a lot higher than in a mammal or in a person, but then you're starting, you're, you're getting into pretty significant volumes of mm-hmm. oil, even though the product is pretty concentrated. Yeah. I mean, I've used it before kind of with fingers crossed, maybe this will help. I can't imagine it wouldn't help. I actually mm-hmm. used it in a pigeon before because the, you know, the volume was a little bit less and didn't have any meloxicam on hand. So I, I actually did use some Elevet CBD um, in a pigeon with a leg fracture. Oh, okay. Very interesting. Yeah. I love kind of all of those alternative modalities. And, you know, when we, um, I think people who listen to me lately know that I'm on this, like, how can we minimize opioids? K- 
kick. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe not, maybe it will apply specifically to chickens, but certainly I'm all about how can we use different modalities uh, along different pathways to minimize opioids. So uh, I think the CBD information, all the cannabis information in veterinary medicine really is so, so interesting. Um, all right. So to wrap it up, we should be giving these patients an IM injection, right? Something to help them with stress and pain. Um, how do you feel? Cause I've been in some clinics where I went in now, this is back in the day when I worked in Michigan, um, where they were scared to give injections. And so they just masked or they would basically box these chickens down. I've definitely yeah. seen a chicken put in an ISO box before. Um, yes. talk to me about that unnecessary right because we can get an IM injection in yeah and I mean chickens they're it's not like they can bite you you know like they peck you maybe they scratch you flap their wings but they're easy to restrain and then you cover their face and flip them on their back and there's this you know like big breast muscle just waiting for your injection of of pre-meds and so you know like if you're afraid you shouldn't be afraid of a chicken because there's not a whole lot of damage that animal's going to do to you. I mean, I think that's sometimes why we box down wild animals because we can't control them um, or we're afraid that they're going to bite you. And uh, chickens, you know, like they're, they're docile creatures and they're really easy to, I don't know, I guess restrain and and hold. And um, so, yeah, no, I wouldn't ever box a chicken down. I think it's unnecessary. Okay, great. We're on the same page there. I'm very much, not only I think it's unnecessary to the chicken, but I think it's unnecessary. I'm also a big proponent. I just have too many soap boxes, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I am a big proponent of making sure that our staff stays safe. And so um, I don't want our staff exposed to all that anesthetic waste gas that comes along with boxing or masking down these animals. So, okay, awesome. And then one last question before we let you go. Um, you do a lot of educating and speaking and all of that stuff. Um, if people want to come hear you speak, what conferences will you be at next? Uh, actually teaching a lab with uh, Kate Lafferty at WVC. Um, and then I'm going to be teaching another lab and doing a couple lectures at the OAVT, so Ontario uh, Association of Veterinary Technicians up, uh, in Niagara Falls this year. And then uh, we at the New Jersey Veterinary Medical Association. I have a whole day there, which is very exciting. And then, um, then I think that's it for the near future. Um, I do find myself out in Colorado Springs about once a month, hanging out, running cases, and just flopping around the city. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the tail end of my year is pretty minimal at this point, uh, which is nice because. Sometimes I need a break. I feel like I'm traveling every week and the kids always get on my case and the cats get all fluted and stuff and (laughs) I need to spend some time at home. And somebody has to be there to take care of these chickens that you have now. Oh, yeah. So I have an amazing neighbor girl. She's I have 14 or something like that. And she wants to be a veterinarian. And I told her that's silly because you should be a veterinary technician instead. Uh, She takes care of everybody. She does a great okay. job. And how many chickens do you have now? I have nine hens right now, but nobody's supposed to know that because I'm only supposed to have four, but we call that chicken math. 
Mm. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the same as pug math, really. So I've heard that. So, all right. Well, thank you so much, Kristen, for giving us some information. Hopefully people randomly have a chicken come into their practice. Now they feel a little bit more confident giving an IM injection, giving it some proper pain meds, etc. If you guys want to get in touch with Kristen, we will put a link to her contact information in the show notes here. Um, And be sure to be on the lookout for her at Western, at OAVT, and in New Jersey. All right. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thanks, Tasha.